listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Episode 56. Talia. Right. I've discovered you have been recording other podcasts. <gasps> You've been cheating on the Couples Guide podcast, Talia, guesting on other podcasts, hosting other podcasts. How could you? I'm Jezebel. <laughs> you know, I actually feel pretty okay with all that. Yeah. Can we move forward? Are we good well, to keep our relationship going? Absolutely. Let's we're let's continue. Let's continue. Good. Well, that was, I mean, <laughs> easy ever repair. I love it. I can that cheat all the time now. There you go. That's our message to our listeners. If, <laughs> if one partner cheats on the other, just acknowledge it and move on. <laughs> or don't acknowledge it, sweep it under the rug and lie for decades. Perfect. For decades. For yeah. decades. <laughs> Well, today we're talking about infidelity, big topic. Yeah. And of course, we've we've talked, you know, we've touched on this in a lot of our episodes, but I think recently we realized, oh, I don't think we've really devoted a full episode to the experience of infidelity in a relationship. So this seemed pretty cool to jump into. And we want to outline for our listeners today, like the definition of infidelity, (laughs) the kinds that can exist. I'm sure there are more maybe some risk factors or reasons why though when we list those that's not a guarantee if you or your partner have one of those that we're dooming you that you will cheat not at all so it's a very big caveat that's not at all what we're saying we're giving that as an explanation that that's what the research shows sometimes those can be a risk factor for it to consider and then really speaking to the experience of when this has happened what are some things that occur in the thought process of both partners, but really the one who is, you know, the recipient of the infidelity and how to move forward from there. That's our goal for our listeners today. Yeah. Love that. So let's go ahead and start with, yeah, uh, sort of defining infidelity and those different types of infidelity starting there. So the definition and all the research that I've done in preparation for this episode, um, infidelity is often synonymous with cheating And this is the act of being unfaithful to a spouse or a romantic partner that you are dating or in a relationship with. Usually this is delineated with actually having sex or sexual relations or kissing or something like that. But with the modern advent of technology, definitions of cheating have changed and there can be more of an emotional aspect to it or reliance on, you know, other other people outside the relationship to get a need met essentially. And there's a level of keeping it secret or private from your partner also. So it's, uh, you're breaking a promise to them or a commitment to them, or you're hiding something from them is the general, I think, umbrella in now 2021 definition of infidelity. It's not just being with somebody else. Yeah, that was actually something, you know, a a number of years ago when I first learned clinically what affairs could look like or infidelity could look like learning that it didn't have to include sex that there's these other types of 
cheating experiences, infidelity, where someone could be stepping out of the relationship emotionally and building an emotional connection with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I thought was just, I, I, when you brought that up, I just remembered, oh yeah, years ago when I first learned about that, that was really shocking to me. So it could be something that a lot of people in our culture and our listeners may not consider that infidelity doesn't have to involve sex. It can be an emotional connection too, that you shift yeah. away from your primary partner. And that would be my bit of advice number one in the whole topic of infidelity. Uh-huh. Prevention is the best cure. Uh-huh. Being very clear early on in their relationship. I, maybe you can talk about it on your first or second date, like depending uh-huh. on which way the wind blows, right? Uh-huh. Like who knows the death, but being able to talk about it early on of how do you both define not only a relationship, which we've talked about in previous episodes, what do those uh-huh. roles mean? How do you both define infidelity? Because you could have wildly different experiences of that and it needs to be I think it's a benefit of a relationship to be very clear on okay if you have other female friendships if you're turning to somebody else in an emotional crisis anything like that if I'm viewing it as that and the other person's like no like that's not infidelity or vice versa there could be a potential you know disconnect there it's not a bad idea to get clear on like to what level is cheating cheating Um, not to get away with it but really to let your let you know what your partner's conceptualization is because that tells more about a person (laughs) than I think anything so get getting to that clarity on that level of of a discussion with your partner but also for our listeners to hear like that's the definition and there's multiple types like we talked about in the beginning so you can have the it's like an opportunity that you were drunk at a party or this or something just happenstance you got caught up in the moment and it happened and you either did or did not stop yourself at various ways that's one type of infidelity I'm sure most people have heard about it's definitely portrayed in movies Uh a lot um there's like creating an entire other relationship like having an affair partner infidelity where it's an ongoing either emotional or physical affair something more romantic you have like a consistent partner that you are cheating with it's not just cheating with multiple people for the sake of cheating. Um, If you're feeling conflicted in your romantic relationship and you're using cheating as you're out, like you're trying to see, could I be with somebody else before I leave my partner or I'm gonna use this as an excuse. That's another type that the research um, delineated when I was looking up up the different kinds. And then there's um, the type of cheating at the end of it where there's no you don't you're not happy in your relationship with your partner but you also don't want to leave them so you're trying to build out external relationships but maybe you have to stay for the kids for the this or for what have you i think the most common kinds that and i i want to hear from you what you see the most common kinds i see are like i took advantage of an opportunity i had a full-blown affair with somebody or this is who i am as a person and cheating, which is, we'll talk about the risk factors in a moment. Uh Cheating is something that was modeled to me. It's either cultural or familial. This is a norm and this should be expected. Like my partner should have known kind of a thing. Uh Those are, those are the three that I see in my practice. I don't know about you. Two that I see regularly are the, the oopsies ones where it, it was, you know, one partner cheated once yeah, that, that first example you're saying, maybe there's some alcohol involved or, or a way or something and, and re- wasn't necessarily intentionally planning on that. And then, oh, no, I made some really bad decisions and needed to disclose that. And also the other type I'll see is 
the relationship one where there'll have been an ongoing affair for time mm -hmm. because of something going on in the primary relationship, like say the marriage, and then realized, oh, wait, that was not where I wanted to be. And mm -hmm. the reason why I see those two in, in my office is because underneath those, um, there's going to be a relationship that both partners want to salvage. Yes. I won't see the other types as often, I'm guessing. I'm just applying right. what you just shared, like, because they're less likely to have two people who want to recommit into their relationship and want to come to couples therapy mm -hmm. to work on it. Um, sometimes I will get a third type, which you were describing also of like, Hey, well, we're in a marriage and there's kids. So I am trying to build out yeah. into that, but I don't want to actually end this marriage because of how hard it is with the kids. Um, right. I'll see that that's less frequent and it tends to be less of a long-term couples therapy work. Cause it ends up kind of more being a, let's, as I call it, like um, pop the blister. Let's just say, Hey, you actually do want to be done in your relationship. So how can you move forward separation, divorce, and that kind of space? Yes. So that's what I would say. As I look back on, on my experiences, I have a, a lot of couples come in with those prime, those first two, and then a little bit of that third one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's also, we have a different, we have a different lens in which to view this through because of the nature of our work. Okay. I think personal me and having mm -hmm. talked to friends and et cetera, and, and pulling from those reference points as like personal Talia versus professional Talia yeah. in the grand scheme of like all those encompass, I have okay. seen both. And then clinically it's more, Hey, this happened and we want to work through it or over yeah. the course of the work together we discover maybe early on something had happened. The partner has since ended it. Like there's no, it's, it truly is in the past, but it's news to the couple relationship. And then they're processing through the trauma of that disclosure, whether it's an ongoing or previous disclosure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think getting that clear foundation that, and people, people cheat for different reasons. And like I said, when we, before we were prepping, like the betrayal that you go through is in the eye of the beholder almost that you want to make sure what's okay for you and what's okay for your partner or what's not okay for you or not okay for your partner that you're seeing eye to eye on that. Some couples are like, yeah, they kiss somebody drunk on spring break, who cares, I'm over it. Mm -hmm. Or they sent a text message to their ex when we were having a fight, like mm -hmm. whatever level you're going through where you're like, that's cheating, being clear that that's your definition. So though Ryan and I are talking about these are types, there's probably more and there's other levels of varying degrees that your experience, if you're listening to this could fall under and I think the next step I want to talk about is some risk factors for why infidelity occurs in relationships um we mentioned earlier like a drunk night but if you're struggling if you're dating somebody or you are the person that's being in the relationship and you're struggling with the drug or alcohol addiction or some sort of addictive tendency that may increase your risk factor a relapse may increase your risk factor um like we've talked about on episodes before your attachment style can definitely cause some internal systems to be working at play that potentially having cheating or an affair come into play keeps you emotionally safe. We could likely do a whole other episode on that, but your attachment style does, I think, play into potentially seeing cheating as an option or how the severity of if cheating happens, seeing it as like, no, this is not an option to move forward. If you've had, um, 
childhood trauma or if you've had a family system in which cheating was modeled to you and that it was like a norm in your culture in your family um, if the person has mental illness or if they have a personality disorder especially like narcissistic personality disorder very very high in incidence of infidelity in that uh, personality disorder mainly because they lack empathy and they like and need the validation so it's something to keep an eye out for um, and in one of the research studies, it's from a few years ago, 2017, but it still rings true. I think there's been more research based on that from the references I'm looking at, um, that when you, people were involved in an extramarital affair were three times more likely to repeat this behavior in their next relationship, unless it was remedied. Um, and then there's also a caveat here that despite treatment, sometimes people still have that experience in the next relationship. So it's not that somebody is once a cheater, always a cheater. Uh, all the time, <laughs> depending on the type of, uh, of infidelity, but it can be true. So again, being clear on this is all nice research, your specific partner, you need to be asking them the questions, engaging for yourself and your gut. Are they going to do this again? Because the research can say one thing, but you can have a, you know, exception to the rule, as we say. So that would be some of the risk factors that I've studied that could lead to potential infidelity. Yeah. And as you, you were starting to talk about, and I just want to highlight that these are risk factors and each relationship is different. Mm -hmm. The use of knowing the risk factors isn't to then say, oh my gosh, my partner's going to cheat and just assume that's going to happen. It's, oh, cool. We know this information and hey, we might be in a relationship where we might um, have those challenges or there is higher risk. So let's do risk mitigation. Let's yes. go ahead and attune to that. If it's, oh, wow, in your family, both your parents cheated on each other and you don't want that to happen in our relationship. Cool. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that and let's see how that plays out for us. Or, hey, you know what? Let's take a look at our substance use. And are we noticing when we do that, do we pull apart from each other or do we come together um, when we're enjoying substances? and talk about, oh, well, maybe if we're pulling apart, there's a risk factor there that we want to pay attention to. I think like anything that we love to do in therapy, it's we want to bring things genuinely, authentically, and explicitly to the table. We yes. want to be clear and, you know, get these hidden things inside of us and between us out in the open, because that's how it can be really useful for, for us in relationship to work together as a team to move forward because then looking at these risk factors, they become really actually bonding experiences ahead of time. If you're preventing the risk, you're doing risk mitigation, you're building a strong foundation, that's just deepening your relationship in a positive way. So yeah. I just want yeah. to point that out. And that's the use of the risk factors to be looking at to know, hey, maybe we should talk about these in, in direct mm -hmm. detail. And, and risk factors in the relationship itself, mm -hmm. if either one or both of you are feeling unhappy or unsatisfied if you have poor separate from that if you have not good communication with your partner plus add in the unhappiness and dissatisfaction yeah. that's going to be a risk if you're not feeling appreciated or loved or complimented or cared for maybe your love language is words of affirmation and it's particularly low for a while uh, that can be, I think, a risk factor of seeking it elsewhere, maybe emotionally. Mm -hmm. If neither of you are committed to the relationship, again, this goes back to what was modeled to you and what lessons did you learn about like commitment level when you're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. If you're less committed, you are more likely to cheat is what the research shows. And I, I, so I like Gottman's work because 
the assessment I give couples in the beginning does lend, like it does study in their specific responses in the questionnaire, how committed are they to making that relationship work? Like it yeah. asks them independent questions. So then I can get a look at like, you say <laughs> that you're both really committed to this, but the research shows you're out the door and this yeah. person really wants to make it work. So it gives more honest discussion. If you're feeling bored, uh, whether it's emotionally or sexually in the relationship, you're having not enough new and exciting things, right? We know as couples therapists that keeps the relationship fresh. Perhaps it's a body image concern and you're not feeling, again, appreciated. Uh, the last reason or the last risk factor, I think, relationally is the get even cheats where it's like mm. one person had the affair and the other person's going to do it just to get even. It's like, that's not. No, no like that's not going <laughs> to I don't recommend doing any of it, but especially for that reason. So yeah. that would be a relate. Those are some relationship risk factors that you can utilize again, like mm -hmm. you're saying preventatively and going, wow, I'm really not happy in this relationship. I may be happier with somebody else. I would like to test this relationship, see if we can get back on track and happier before de deciding to end it. Mm -hmm. That's the ideal thing. If you're not feeling happy and like we've talked about in the phase of relationships episode if you're not feeling happy and you've tried everything leaving it gracefully is usually easier and less messy than choosing to end it by cheating yes uh, yeah. using these risk factors instead of, of um well using these risk factors to bring conversation forward yeah. instead of that's you're noticing thing. these and not talking about them yeah. that's what would more likely go like well these are happening and now i'm going to keep moving towards this other direction yeah. which is infidelity Yes, exactly. With all of that, a lot of what you're touching on in terms of what you might notice in relational risk factors can give a lot of insight into what's going on for a partner who ends up cheating, who chooses to cheat or decides to even like have an affair mm -hmm. and, and make that a long-term thing. And I think that'd be really interesting to dive into and share. You planted this um, idea in my head in prepping for the episode that, hey, why don't we share a little bit about what can be going on for a person to have a little bit more understanding of how does infidelity really um, sprout from a relationship? Mm -hmm. I think if I, if I may, I think okay. if we're not talking about it being like the, if it's not more of the like narcissistic personality disorder yeah. addiction, I was out yeah. of my mind or adjacent to my yeah. mind in some way, but it's a genuine, like the person had been considering it and then took advantage of the opportunity type mm -hmm. thing. Like it's more mm -hmm. of an affair level. Yeah. I think it comes from, and I'm open to hear your thoughts on it. I mm -hmm. think it comes from a dissatisfaction in the relationship simultaneously mixed with I'm afraid maybe, and this is not a justification, I'm afraid to hurt my partner's feelings. I'm tired of this. It's just easier to do it this way and not get caught. If I do get caught, that's an easy out because then I don't have to be the one who starts the breakup. I want to eat my cake and then have an entire other cake. Afterwards, metaphorically, I wanna try and you know have the best of all worlds. It could fill low self-esteem or low self-worth to try and cheat, but it's also the reason why the cheating might be happening. If it's not that, like we said, uh, opportunistic or narcissistic personality disorder level of cheating where it's like pathological, those people don't stop. Like that, that's like a game for them. So I think it's good to delineate things can sprout. Infidelity can sprout in relationships, 
when you're not satisfied in the relationship, but also simultaneously struggling with the self-worth and self-esteem enough to be like, this isn't working. I'm going to vulnerably try and give you the opportunity to work through this. And if not, I'm leaving. That takes a lot of guts to have that. Like we talked about this on numerous episodes, having clear, positive, effective communication can save relationships from many things. And I think in some ways, not having the clear, effective availability for vulnerability, communication and relationship can be a risk factor for infidelity, at least continuing or not sharing like, oh my God, I fucked up. Can I please have a second chance? Let's go to therapy. Like I've had couples call in and be like, I'm calling, I've told them I'm trying to be prevented. Like they really do want to Uh work through it. And then some it's like, yeah, I did it. I would do it again. Like, I don't know why we're here. And I'm like, wow, okay, well this is over. Yeah. So I think it sprouts from unhappiness in some way, whether it's with ourself or with our partner or that the relationship isn't meeting our expectations and they're not performing to some either mental expectation or previous relationship expectation that they may or may not know about or be capable of. And then cheating comes up. Yeah, absolutely. I think I similarly organize it where two parts of an experience going on for someone who's cheats or has an affair. And the first is that dissatisfaction in the relationship. In some way, there are um, attachment needs not being met. And I want to be clear that I'm, li- I'm going to explain attachment needs in just a moment. I don't just like, hey, needs aren't being met because no. sometimes that can be weaponized in, in very inappropriate ways. Yeah. Um, when you say, well, my needs aren't being, I can be a justification. I do mean a very, need is really a want, like we unpack it a lot. And it's like, no, that's not actually a need. Attachment needs specifically not being met is absolutely, yes. Yeah. Because attachment needs are specifically like emotional needs. So, um, it's as opposed to like, say, uh, sex needs, right? A lot of times like, oh, well, my sexual needs aren't being met. Well, that's actually not, we know from research that you actually don't need to have sex. You can be in a long-term relationship very satisfied and not have sex. I'm not saying that's where you want to be, but for some couples that works. So that's, there's a way that that can be weaponized and to justify something. So I like the term dissatisfaction you're saying, and I'm saying you can look at that and it comes from attachment needs. And we can, I want to explain that in just a moment. But the second part that I want to share is also, and then there's a barrier in the relationship to sharing that those attachment needs are being not met, or there's this barrier in the relationship that it's really hard to discuss the dissatisfaction, like you're saying. And that I actually want to dive into first in that sometimes it can be, as you're saying, it's so hard and difficult to effectively communicate that some people, it's like, I just need to completely avoid it. And you know, we use the term avoiding or withdrawing, or in some way, it's so emotionally risky to turn to yeah. the partner to your partner with how dissatisfied you are, mm-hmm. that that then means like, okay, I'm going to turn elsewhere for what I'm looking for. Yeah. On, on the other side though, it's not just someone, it doesn't just have to be like, hey, a partner who like, it's so overwhelming to try to turn to their partner and share honestly. It could also be they've tried to turn to their partner and share honestly, but there's this barrier that keeps this this connection from happening and oftentimes it's it's you know a a back and forth between partners maybe the partner who's reaching out to try to share 
just gets stonewalled from their partner or doesn't have a partner who's receptive or their partner withdraws a lot and can't hear that feedback and isn't there to work together as a team to, to work on that dissatisfaction. So then the partner who was contemplating the affair goes, like, okay, I've tried everything I can. I'm desperate. I'm still dissatisfied. Boom, I'm out. So that's why I put it as like a barrier. It can look, you know, depending on the style, different ways, but there's some kind of barrier to that communicating that dissatisfaction and those, and those attachment needs. Yes. And if we are clear, which I think it was a few episodes ago, starting with the within ourselves and then yeah. the within partnership, if we're very clear on who we are, who we are not, what we need, what we don't, et cetera that helps to be clear with our partners when it comes to what needs are and are not being met. And I don't think every time infidelity happens that it's time to call it quits. And we can talk about this later in the episode. It's really relationship and the two people who are in it dependent and specific, right? Because what happens when this occurs, you actually unpack it and you discover I don't think I can meet those needs. Like genuinely, honestly, what you're describing to me is not too much. It's not this. I know me as a person. I either can or cannot fulfill that for you as your partner. That's a very painful emotional conversation to have. And I'm not saying cheating is done out of avoidance of that on a conscious level, but I do think sometimes there's a subconscious drive of like we talked about attachment style wise, anxious yeah. people, I'm always going to be too much. I'm never going to find some, a lot of the black and white thinking and very intense self-worth waves that they ride can be tough for another partner to deal with and go through and work through and support through. And that may not be a perfect match, right? So it's not, again, saying a justification, but we talked about off air that sometimes people go through infidelity and it makes their relationship stronger than ever because they start having these intense good conversations of like oh my gosh I so wish you would have told me I'm so glad and I'm big on relationship 1.0 and 2.0 like Uh if we're really going to move through this and work towards it we cannot hold the you're always going to have that question in your mind and I said this to you off air like you will have that question in your mind if you choose to work through this You have to be, both of you have to fully be into that 2.0 and kind of put the what ifs at bay and look at, okay, since 2.0, nothing has happened. It's been five years. I think we're in the clear. Is that a guarantee? No. Like we don't know everybody we've worked with (laughs) who's graduated if they, unless they come back and say like, oops, I did it again. All of Britney Spears. We don't always know, but leaning in and talking about your attachment needs is the best way, yeah. I think, through if it happens and to prevent it from happening potentially. Well, to, to, and to link these different ideas of A, what is the yeah. experience of someone who has an affair and B, um, you know, how do you um, get to 2.0 in your relationship and feel secure moving forward yeah. after an affair has been in a relationship? In therapy, the way I go through that, the way I was trained to go through this is we do start with we got to talk about the the attachment injury, the hurt, the actual affair, so that both partners can go through the difficult feelings of pain and shame, which is another big part of the experience of the person who chooses to have the affair. They can have a lot of shame before, during, and after the affair. Again, it doesn't justify a lot of the actions and the hurt that that happened to their partner. But if we're trying to understand where this comes from, that's a big part a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So again, the first part of therapy is 
acknowledging the hurt that was in the relationship and that was caused by the affair for the partner who was cheated on and then also acknowledge the shame, the difficulty for the partner who had the affair trying to show up and, and recommit to the relationship mm-hmm. and heal through that first. But part of that healing is also the second part in treatment of, okay, now that you're back on as a team and you're starting 2.0 to maintain your 2.0 relationship, what was going on before the affair that led to that decision to step out of the relationship? And that's kind of what we're talking about, about what can happen here. And what's, that can be hard to do with couples because of course it brings up some of maybe other difficult emotions. But it's also really, um, I see it so powerful with couples because it gives them a strength and security of, oh, cool. Since we now have a deeper understanding of why that even happened in the first place, now that we're in 2.0, working together, being in a deeper, strong relationship, we also can prevent that from happening again. It gives the couple a, a agency and strength and um, sense of control to get rid of some of those fears that, oh no, will this happen another? Will, will we find ourselves 10 years down the road? And the answer after going through this type of treatment is no, because you've discovered what's going, what was going on in the past and you now have new ways of interacting, connecting and being stronger that make those, those um, factors that led to the infidelity obsolete. Yeah. So, just a heads up, I'm kind of bridging that and kind of jumping ahead from our, our plan discussion, but just showing like, hey, there is this roadmap of what if partners are both willing to have commitment to the 2.0 relationship and heal from it, there yeah. can be a roadmap to moving past infidelity in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and that shame, I've seen a lot of couples yeah. in the the beginning throes of that relationship where the the tables have turned because the person who didn't want to talk about the shame hence why they may have cheated about it is now forced to talk about it with the third party who's not in their relationship and it's not the fun cheating kind of third party yeah professional design feel the feelings that they were trying to avoid Um, (laughs) and it's not comfortable for them and I've worked through and I'm like I look and I'm you know I'm sure you know, you obviously know me, listeners know me by now. I'm big into tough love and I'm never mean about it, but I look at them gently and I say, the shame is not comfortable. By no means am I saying that this should be a comfortable process for you to sit through. And I lovingly say, this spurned from behaviors you chose to engage in and we're gonna have to talk about it, right? Like that's part of moving through 2.0 is us talking about it. We can pace it. And then I tell the partner who is trying to wrestle with the, what, if why did this happen, et cetera, there's questions you ask that you cannot unknow. Be very, very intentional in what you want to know. And there's schools of thought of talk about everything, the positions they've done, the whatever, like get all the details out there so you're not guessing. And in my brain, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that can work for some, but sometimes you don't want to know all of those things because it leads to not the needs being met it leads to other discussions of like well you never do that position with me what like it can sometimes lead to other nitpicking almost arguments or disagreements that get off the main point of like 
what was the rupture? What was going on? Let's focus on the shame. It's going to be uncomfortable to talk about. And it's like, yeah, but you're, if you want 2.0, leaning into the shame and discomfort and being vulnerable is kind of a part of that process, not painfully, but it's not going to feel great. And don't ask questions. You don't want to know the answer to. And sometimes people have an easier time living with the unknown and filling in the blank. And sometimes people's imaginations are far too grand, (laughs) very skilled, far too grand. And they need to know the actual information because the story they're making up in their head is so much maybe worse that hearing what actually happened is like, oh, okay, I can, I can work through that. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, it's wise to pace that information flow because A lot of times wanting to, if you're a partner who wants to, who, who, sorry, if you're a partner who's been cheated on and that's so destabilizing, that's so hurtful. And then you want to, out of an attempt to control a little bit of the situation, which I totally get because that brings safety. Like, Hey, I need to wrap my brain around this. Let me understand every detail. What did you do? How did you do it? That's, that can be a very soothing thing in the moment. Mm -hmm. but then can lead to a lot more pain down the road with too much information. Like, great. Now, as you said, I can't unsee in my imagination that position you described to me. And, and that's even more hurtful. So I definitely encourage, as you say, people to kind of like take it slow when that comes up, especially early on, if you're talking about these things, or if like you're early on working, say with me, I'll be like, well, let's, let's hold on to that for a second. Let's instead go on to when this comes up, what's the emotional reaction. And, and I'll just re- yes. reframe yeah. to that. Like, how does this make you feel when you're stuck in this hurt and this lack of safety, mm-hmm. you know, going on, let's, let's attune to that mm-hmm. and the generals of, of the affair, as opposed to the specifics. Mm-hmm. And I, my approach definitely focuses on the emotion and and in the moment when I have and I say stereotypically but not like this is a general st- in my in my sample sizes that I've yeah. had in cases yeah. it is typically is a better word the female partner who wants to know wants to know and mm-hmm. it's a it's kind of a joke it's like why do women ask why so much because we don't have one we have xx chromosomes not xy <laughs> <laughs> we just want to know the why and everything uh, I, I slow them down and I look at the guy like dead in the soul, if this is in the case. And I said, I'm going out on a limb for you here. Do not screw me over. And then I look at the girl and I'm like, you know, all that there is to know. He has told you everything. If you're asking more questions, it's going to bring you more emotional pain. Do you want to do this? And of course I word it a little differently, but that's kind of the intended message yeah. of what it kind of shocks them into like, you're right. Like what we could spend, I'd be like, we could spend weeks on this. I'm here no matter what, Like we could spend weeks on detailing every position. You can't unknow some things. And the next time, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure in a future episode, reintroducing infidelity, whether it's been absent for a while or after, or reintroducing uh, intimacy, I should say, Mm -hmm. not reintroducing infidelity. (laughs) Don't introduce it at all would be my advice. Reintroducing intimacy after a break or after infidelity, is a whole other issue that we tackle, obviously, in treatment later on. You can't unknow some things. That yeah. is like the message I will leave people with and choose to do with that what you will. Yeah. You can't unknow it and maybe can't survive without knowing it, or you can't unknow it so you don't ask because the greater goal of working through it is the greater goal rather than finding out every possible detail. Yeah. And before, before we wrap, I do want to spend some time talking about 
the the experience of the partner who's been cheated on the one in which their partner stepped out of the relationship of course it's so painful i don't think we need to like have a major insight to understand like of course that sucks and i think that it's a little bit cleaner if hey there's an affair okay because of that relationship's over mm. it's a lot more complicated if it's hey i my partner stepped out of this relationship we have kids or I don't, you know, we have so much history. I don't know if I just want it to be over or not. And that can be really hard. And I just want to honor that for listeners who are going, man, because of how deeply painful and the, the sense of betrayal, the lack of safety, that's such a powerful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too sure what you want to add to that. In, or I want to invite you to add to that what you think is important for listeners to hear about what's it like when you're the person who has been cheated on and what are the things to pay attention to to help you through that really difficult experience uh yeah um remorse is (laughs) something i would recommend looking for in the partner who cheated on you Uh like genuine remorse not like groveling but that can Mm -hmm. happen genuine remorse what is their experience of what they've done and are they able to take themselves out of themselves and look at what it's done to you yeah not make it about how tough it was for them and they had no like yeah it should it should and i try not to use the word should but there should be remorse if you have a prayer at wanting to work through whatever the infidelity or affair might be genuine remorse on the person who has cheated and you being able to experience that as the recipient of the infidelity is step one I would look for. Let me back you up on that. Yes. If a couple is looking to repair their relationship after an attachment injury and infidelity, that person who had the affair, it it is a requirement that remorse is there. It doesn't mean it has to only be remorse. Remember there's shame with it too and other stuff, but at the same time, there has to be this genuineness of remorse and this yes. desire to work, to work towards it, I would say. Because otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you come to my office and there isn't that, I'm probably like, well, re- not be able to repair this relationship. I mean, you yeah. have to genuinely- Do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll guide you in a different way to, to be useful, but that's, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that, that is a requirement. So I do want to like back you up on that. Yeah, for moving uh, forward. looking for that. And you will feel like you are going insane. Like it is absolutely a sanity buster when you are looking at the person who you have built whatever level of a life with and you've shared intimate moments with them, intimate details. They know you, you know them. You may have even met family members or you're, you know, especially if you're married and this happens, it is one of the most painful, jarring, sanity busting experiences to go through because it fucks with your reality like you know a version of this person and then you like I don't I sometimes can't even put words on the emotional experience of what that at least was like for me when I had that in a previous relationship it's jarring and even professionally I I resonate with and I've done a lot of my own work obviously on it it doesn't come up negatively when I sit with clients who have been through that that emotional pain unless you've been through it isn't something that you can like speak to necessarily so that's why it's almost like leaving me speechless of what to say other than like I validate a hundred percent it is a very jarring experience to be the recipient of that information 
take some time for yourself, take the day off work if you need it, like get some space from your partner if you need. It's better to do that than say something that you'll regret. Not that you don't mean it, but say it in a way that's like, I feel so hurt. I want to hurt you back. We're rendered more ineffective when we have that much of a trauma invited into our life when we didn't want it, right? It was like, we didn't choose the cheating and it was done to us. And then we're learning about it. And it's just like so much information at once. Slow it down, take a few deep breaths, get online with your support system immediately as soon as possible and have your own individual support, ideally, if you can, from a mentor, a coach, or a therapist, or somebody who can sit in that with you who isn't your partner. And that I would recommend ongoing throughout if you choose to go to couples therapy to repair or not, definitely, definitely, definitely get your own individual support. This harkens back to what you and I, Ryan, have said on this podcast since the beginning, you have to take care of yourself, oxygen mask, before anyone else. Whether you continue the relationship with this partner or another, it's a duty and a gift you can give to yourself to have help with, because we talked about this in Off Air too, the number one question that goes through people, what did I do wrong? Uh-huh. I found out I'm cheating on, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? I wasn't this enough. I wasn't fill in the blank enough, or I was too much. It's not you. You did not cheat on yourself. And rare, I would say uh, just a caveat in very, I'm some rare cases. Again, it would less like a get even cheat, which is totally different. Uh-huh. You did nothing wrong to warrant your partner cheating on you. It's not about you being too much or not enough or anything like that. That behavior was chosen by the person you were partnered with. It says more about them than it does about you. And mm-hmm. that may be an unpopular opinion, but that's what I hold to. I mean, I, I'm with you on that in that if, when those questions come about, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And taking that hurt and turning it into a, a, a sense of lack of self, I'm with you and like, no, no, that you were hurt by someone. Correct. So they're needing to understand and really be gentle with yourself in those moments, acknowledging that hurt, exactly like you said, so I don't repeat it all, but going and, and, you know, doing what you can do to care for yourself and be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. And when I, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was just saying, and don't let that weigh on your shoulders that you yes. did something wrong. Yeah. If you want to work through it, you'll talk about this and you'll work as a team to shift and you'll be in a space, but not letting that, that weigh on you is so key. Yeah. And, and when, uh, when the statement of, it says more about the other person than it does about you, it's not in like a threatening or negative way. It truly does lend itself to be like, okay, if I'm, if I'm not me and I heard this happening, right? Like if you can, and it takes a long time, trust me, you can pull yourself out of yourself and look back and go, huh? Okay. If it says more about the other person, what else, what are those risk factors? This let's paint the full picture of what could have led to that person going through it. And then seeing like, wow, okay. This, this was a situational, this or that it was characterological. This person's going to be continuing to cheat. It was modeled for that. Once you can take a breath and come up for air and take a look at it, like not from only the place of hurt, you're honoring the hurt, but also moving it into truly doing what's best and most aligned for you. That's where I at least personally know, and also professionally where you can make a decision right after something happens. It's, uh, I got this advice from my dad growing up, don't make a decision when you're in the throes of any emotion, like super, super happy, super, super pissed, like 
try and get some sort of equilibrium and let your emotion brain and your logic brain kind of come back into a yeah. balance before moving forward with a final decision is another bit of advice that I would give as well, because again, it's, it's a sanity busting experience to go through. We're not in our right mind for a while, at least after that happens. So do what you need to do for you to protect yourself calmly and keep yourself emotionally and physically safe in the meantime, and then seek help, whatever that may look like, individual journey, couple's journey, and let things kind of settle before moving forward with any permanence. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, it gives at least a starting point for mm-hmm. anyone going through this of, of what to be expecting in at least the early stages as, as you shift through this very difficult relational experience. Yes. Of course, there's more, and we touch upon this, and as we get into it with other topics, of course, there's so much complexity in what you can actually be doing in your decisions if you choose to repair a relationship or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll have to save that for another time. Yes. But uh, do know that there are great reasons why after infidelity to repair a relationship and come out stronger. And of course, it's very appropriate for a lot of um, relationships after infidelity to be done with that relationship. Um, it's so I just want to throw both of those out there that there's a decision-making process. Absolutely. But know that both options are valid. So, yes, it has to ultimately be up to you and whoever, whatever professional help <laughs> that you hire, you can glean from, but it still is ultimately up to you as the person in that relationship. Yeah, very much. So hopefully this is helpful for everyone knowing that uh, infinitely is so complicated, but giving you some insights um, from this episode on the factors of infidelity, the types, and kind of just what goes on in in a relationship with both partners after infidelity has been introduced. Um, It's a lot. So if you're going through that, I feel that um, for you, listener, and wish you well. And check out those risk factors. And maybe that's something to be looking at in your relationship and chatting about moving forward to prevent anything. Yes. If you listen to this and you go, oh my gosh, I pick all those people all the time. (laughs) Maybe doing some (laughs) self-inventory. Yeah. Maybe uh, consider that information. There you go. And if you have questions, send us an email, Ryan and Talia at the Couples Guide podcast. You can slide in our DMs. Um, Please like, rate, subscribe. If you like these episodes, share them. That's the best way for us to get visibility and more people having this information in their brains and hearts and you can also message us if you have a you know podcast idea like a topic or a relationship question that's very specific that we could turn into an episode Uh, my instagram is therapy with talia and ryan at ryan hill therapy of course you can always instagram our at the couples guide podcast let us know we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening take good care till next time